John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You are in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. Let us pray. Our glorious King, you have told us that your word will not go and come back to you without accomplishing its purpose. May your word bring healing, direction, instruction to your people as you enable me to share it today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been looking at the book of 1 Timothy, trying to establish that Paul, the apostle, worked tirelessly to establish churches. Apostle is not just a title that somebody gives himself. An apostle, by definition, from the root word apostolo, means the sent one, somebody who has been sent by Jesus Christ. He said the commandment of Jesus Christ, the Savior, to plant churches. But after planting the churches, the next task of the apostle was to see to it that those churches grow to provide leadership for them and to give them oversight. But as already anticipated, the devil, that cunning devil, who always wants to destroy the people of God, has started sowing seeds of destruction in the church. A young Timothy seemed almost helpless. He was in Ephesus pastoring this church. Paul was in Macedonia. So one was in Asia, the other one was in Europe. How do you go there? It's not a safe flight. Paul had heard those reports and he's instructing Timothy how to pastor this church, how to lead the church. Friends, leading a church is not easy. But when you are determined to do what God wants you to do, you'll get the results. So Paul wrote this letter to encourage Timothy. And we've seen it. If you have been with us, Last week, you saw the beginning part of it, a young man being encouraged. But today, he continues by sharing his own testimony with Timothy and telling him why he, Timothy, must continue to serve. And our text is from 1 Timothy chapter 1, from verse 12 to 17. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Jesus Christ. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me, first Jesus Christ, must show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. 
Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The people of God, let's say it again, verse 17. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Paul had already told Timothy a few things. But he wanted to establish to Timothy that, look, Timothy, I am coaching you. I'm coaching you because the Lord has taught me something. The Lord has called me into service. I've been transformed to serve. And it's very instructive, the kind of things that Paul is saying about himself and about Timothy. And the main thing the Lord wants us to learn today is that, look, God can call anybody who is willing to follow him. And when the Lord calls you, and you make yourself available for the Lord to transform you, to coach you, he can use you gloriously. There's a popular saying that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies those he calls. What does that mean? Some people want to go to school, they want to go and get degrees and all of that, and then say, I'm going to ministry. Yes, that is possible. But the better thing is to know that it's not a going to the school or the title that makes you whatever, but it is the equipment of God. So in verse 12, it says, Now thanks to God, and I thank Jesus Christ our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. <laughs> Paul is saying that he's thanking Jesus Christ, our Lord, who enabled him, because he counted him faithful. Are you in ministry? Do you want to be in ministry? You've called yourself into ministry. I had a friend, we were doing a course together. And this guy was not doing very well. He had gone to school, he had gone to seminary. But in some of the things we were doing, he was not showing any enthusiasm, any passion. So finally, our supervisor who had been watching him said, Ron, who told you that you've been called into ministry? Who encouraged you to enter into ministry? He said, my mother and my classmates. Friends, yes, your mother and your classmates can encourage you to go into ministry. But do you sense that call of God that you should go into ministry? That God has called you, God is equipping you, you have waited on the Lord. If people tell you those things, it must be a confirmation of what the Lord is already telling you. Your mother cannot call you and send you into ministry. Your father cannot. Your church cannot. They can only affirm. So Paul says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You see, this is important because when the days of trouble come, when the trials come, when the school of hard knocks comes, when there are family problems, when there are demonic attacks, when they are bashing you left and right, left and right, oh, who do you go to? Lord, Lord, I surrender. Lord, you called me. Lord, you are a faithful God. You made me your ambassador. You go back to God, referring to that calling and claiming your heritage in him. That is where the power comes from. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, you strengthen me. 
Lord, you place me there. Like the same Paul who can say, the love of Christ compels me. He constrains me. I cannot do anything else but preach the gospel of God. These days, there are people who go into ministry because they are looking for the money, the title, the women, the houses, and all the things that go with it. Yes, if you seek the kingdom of God, he can bless you with all those things. But that should not be your primary, primary qualification or your primary demand or expectation from the ministry. But we learned a number of things from Paul as well. Paul is able to say he has been transformed and called by God because he looks at his life and says, this is what I used to be. I used to be this, read verse 13, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Verse 13. Incredible. Look at the man giving his credential. He didn't say, I went to school, I got degrees, I went to this and that and that. He's telling about his past. I was formerly a blasphemer. A blasphemer is somebody who does not believe in God, who takes the things of God for granted, who sees God doing something, and he says it's the devil who is doing it. He says outrageous things. That's what he was. That's who he was, a blasphemer. He's not proud of it, but that was the truth. He will curse, he will lie. Are you somebody who curses, who lies? Yeah, Paul is saying, I was like that. God can call you. He was also a persecutor. You know who a persecutor is? When you see them in the court, they are persecuting somebody. Yeah, this is the person on the side of the devil. The devil was using him to kill Christians and to destroy them and to attack them. So that is what I was. He was an insolent man, a very proud man, very pompous man, very arrogant man. Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, born of the tribe of Benjamin. His credentials, as you see in Philippians, he was boasting about who and what he had. Then he asked the but, but, the contrast. But, in spite of all of these things, on that road to Damascus, the Lord arrested him. The Holy Spirit came upon him. So he said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Hallelujah. I like that part. When somebody has refused to see or he has refused to learn or he has refused to understand, there's nothing you can do to that person because it is, he's, he has refused. He can see green and say it is white. He can say blue and say it is black. There are some people who are liars, who tell lies because of religion, because of politics, because of stomach direction. But look at what Paul is saying here. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He was sincerely wrong. Are you sincerely wrong? Are you finding out what you can do, what God can do in your life? So when I look back on my past, no, I'm a Jew. So I believed that what God said we should do, we should do it. So I was doing it zealously. And when I was caught, I realized I was sincerely wrong. I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Friend, you do not go about sinning so that God's grace will abound towards you. No. There are some who deliberately steal. They do the wrong thing. They commit the crime. They forge the papers. They commit the homosexuality. They do everything that they know they shouldn't be doing. The conscience is pricking them, but they continue. I'm telling you, you cannot deceive God. So Paul says, when I look back, I was a persecutor, but now I am a preacher. Hallelujah. 
That's what God did to him, changing him from a persecutor to a preacher. Then he talks about what God did for him. God saved him. He saved him. God in his patience saved him. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. God saved him. God had patience for him. God was watching him and bringing him closer, closer, closer to his destiny. Why? Because the Bible clearly tells us that God is not interested in anybody's death. No matter how criminal that person is, no matter how bad he is, God is interested in that person being transformed, being reformed. God, God didn't make anybody to be destroyed. As they say, God makes no junk. He didn't make anybody for hell. They can be taught the wrong thing. They can enter into the wrong company. But God is always wanting his people to come and be saved. And he has time. You are listening to me today because somebody told you about this broadcast or you say, I just turned it on by mistake. No. You go to church, you hear the word of God. There's a funeral, there's a wedding. You go there. God is telling you something. There's somebody who is driving his trotter. You see some word on it and it pricks you. God has ways of talking to you about it. So he said, God, who is full of grace, exceedingly abundant with faith and love in Jesus Christ, saved me. Now, he said, and, and there's something that Paul said here which we must take note of. Paul plays on some three words in this passage, which you and I, if you are a believer or you are, you are even an unbeliever, you must Try and understand it properly. What it took for Paul to be saved and what it takes for us to be saved. Paul said he was saved by God's love, by God's grace, and by God's mercy. Three things work together for the salvation of anybody. First, God's love. I may be saying something that you may think I am being maybe blasphemous, or you never heard it before. But let me say this to you, that God's love, God's love alone does not save anybody. What do I mean by that? See, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What am I saying? It is not God's love alone, that saves us. Because he loves the whole world. We are all created by God. He loves everybody. He gives food. He gives water. He gives life to the good and the bad, the thief, the arm robber. He loves all of them. But that love is meant so that they can turn to him. God loves the whole world, as Jesus tells us in John 3, 16. But it is grace, the abundant favor of God, the undeserved favor of God, when he's calling you and telling you, come, 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 when you choose to come, then you have responded to him. You see, for by grace are you saved through faith. Yes, you respond in faith. But he goes on the third thing to say, you are also saved because God is rich in mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us. So love, grace, and mercy, three-pronged rope or cord 
work together to save you and I. Not an easy salvation, not a cheap salvation. That is what Paul realized, that Christ had forgiven him. His love, his mercy, his grace working together. Have you thought about that? Are you able to give God the praise for that? Then, see, God was able to just give and pour his love on me because he said, <laughs> because of all that God has done for me, I can confidently go back to my past and declare who I am. That what God did, I can now just see myself as the chief of all sinners. Because of God's grace. Look at verses 15 and 16. It says, God did all these things for me. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern for those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So all these three things work. God has shown mercy on me, and so you can also come. That anybody can come. Say, so, Timothy, this is why I'm coaching you. Because of what, when I look back is to see what God has done for me, how he freed me, how he, he, he helped me to become somebody, now I can be a tool that God can use. I say, Timothy, God is worth following. So if he has done it for me, he can do it for you also. And I'm writing this to you as an apostle because I didn't volunteer to do this work. God called me. What does he tell the young man now? Now he, then verse 17, he ends up praising God. Because when you look back, your past, your present, your future, you see what God has done for you. What can you do? You can only praise him. Look at what he says. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever and ever. He's so excited, he's so grateful for what God has done for him. Delivering him from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Not just making him a pure woman, but giving him a status. Making him an apostle, going through all kinds of things. First missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey. And all that he's doing is for his life to count in the service of God. Hallelujah. Are you grateful to God for his salvation? What shows that you are grateful to God? See, it's like somebody has employed you. I've employed you to be a janitor, a watchman, a carpenter, an engineer, an accountant. If you are truly, truly grateful that you have been employed, what do you do? You work hard for that company to progress. You work hard for that church to grow. You bring others in to show your appreciation to God. That's why he's praising God. My, my dear friend, is your life full of praise, full of thanking this God? Are you willing to forgive others as well and bring others in? That is Paul. And so he turns finally in this last part, this man who has been transformed to serve. The last part is interesting. So he turns to Timothy now and gives him a charge. He refers first to him and says, I charge you and I commit to you, son, According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that, by the way, you must wage a good warfare. This charge I commit to you. Son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, 
that you by them may wage the good warfare. It seemed as if Timothy felt called, but there were others also who used their prophetic gift to confirm that you are called by God, you are set apart by God. He was a young man, but they could see his future, and they had predicted it and prophesied it. Say, so yes, I confirm, but I'm charging you, and I'm committing you to the Lord, that which a good warfare, which a war, because life is war. Life is not war like the one that is being fought in the world, but we are fighting against the flesh. The work of the flesh, the work of the devil, the work of self, the work of blasphemous all around us. So wage war. Wage war and do what God has called you to do. Then he's telling him, look, do not compromise your faith. No matter what happens, do not compromise your faith. Look at verse 19. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have shipwrecked their faith. Having faith and a good conscience. This is important. You have faith in God. God has said it. God confirms it. God calls me, and I'm going to follow him day in and day out. Whether I understand it or I don't understand it, I'm asking for grace, for mercy, for strength to be what God has asked me to be and to do. Let that be your portion. But have a good conscience. You see, friends, the Holy Spirit works in us. He directs us. In those days before Timothy, one can say clearly that the scriptures had not been written. What Paul wrote to him and others was later on compiled as the Bible, the New Testament. And so God worked in people mainly through their conscience, through the revelation that he gave them. Now, God still does that today, but he has, above all, given us his word. The word is our standard. The word that you should not lie, you should not murder, you should not kill, you should not do all of this. They are still working up to today. And conscience is still working today. There are some people who kill their conscience by lying and twisting facts and closing their eyes and even hardening their hearts. They harden their hearts and they do the wrong thing. They know what words to say to get themselves out of trouble. When they steal, they have a name for it. When they bribe, they have a name for it. When they take somebody's wife, they have a name for it. In fact, some time ago, somebody told me that you say you call it bribe. You see, what is bribe? If I'm working in an office and my money, my salary is not enough, you know, there's something called personal improvement project. Personal improvement project is the ways and means by which we survive. Life is hard. God himself must understand. So personal improvement project becomes the motivation for somebody doing extra work. He's asking you to give you, he's, he's asking you to pay him extra money to do the work he's been employed to do. But some of those people, I'm telling you, they call themselves Christian. They are tongue-speaking Christian, water-drinking Christian, church leaders. They go to church and they raise their hands and they take some of this money to give an offering to God. God is not foolish. God is not stupid. Sometimes when you are doing those things, your conscience will tell you, it is wrong. It is wrong, my son. It is wrong, my daughter. Repent, repent, repent. But you want to please men. You want to do the wrong thing. You want to follow the wrong crowd. You want to give an impression. But God knows you. So what do you do? He said, don't do those things. Having the faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, has shipwrecked their faith. 
you can shipwreck your faith. You can compromise so much that you have a dead conscience. But you see, that dead conscience will only be dead in this world. But in the eternal kingdom, you meet your maker and you give an account of all the things that you've done. I remember in class, one man was telling us, he was giving us a case that he had made. This medra was a very clever medra. He had been to court so many times, so he knew how to even tell his story for the judge, for the lawyer to defend him. So the lawyer defended him. You see, and I, the, the guy did not kill, he did not do this, he didn't have any intention. Finally, they set him free because there was no evidence. He had covered every evidence. And somehow, if you have money in this world, you can do all kinds of things. The man said, soon after the man was jailed, they found him in the street writing, I did it, I was guilty. I did it, I was guilty. He was writing in the air and talking, I was guilty, I did it. He had made a shipwreck of his faith. Do you have a conscience? God knows you. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, do it quickly. Be filled with the Spirit. Do not harden your heart. Let the Lord work through you. So he's telling him that some have made a shipwreck of their faith, and he calls them. He said, those people, verse 20, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul is saying that, look, he's an apostle. And sometimes apostles have power to set the right thing. You see, one of the things that we don't do too much of in church these days is disciplining people. When somebody is misleading others into hell and into destruction and is confusing them, sometimes they must be made to, be, to face their music. And we take it for granted. Oh, we are all human beings. We are all sinners saved by grace, and what do we do? No. See, so some have made shipwreck of their faith. There was this brother who was found leading some youth. And in the question, they asked him, well, that is what the Bible says, but I do not really think that there's anything wrong with it. If you feel that doing it, it is God who gave you your sexual passion, you can do anything you want to do and confess to God, because God must understand. So one boy asked him, Sir, so what is the meaning of fornication? Sir, those are old, old words in the Bible. Those are old words. Don't take those things seriously. These kind of people, if you find them in your church, in your community, in your Sunday school class, or even a pulpit teaching, you must discipline them. That's what annoyed Paul, that there are some people who are so bad, who work for the devil, and you must fight them. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Which war against such people? He's charging them. The charge is a military language. Commit yourself to enforcing the principles that God has taught. One of the charges a pastor has, a church leader has, is to fight all wrong doctrine. Say, no, we cannot. As far as I know, this is what God wants, and you must not teach the wrong thing. Paul said, of whom? Ahamaneus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Well, he didn't, he didn't send them to Satan. But if they have chosen to follow Satan, they will learn. When persuasion fails, when you do not learn, God sometimes punishes people. And I believe that some are called to go home or some die. Earlier than they were supposed to die because they will not listen and they are destroying people. 
Why, how do I know? Jesus said it. If any of you cause any of these little ones to fall, to backslide, it's better you were not born. Because it's like putting a mill around your neck for you to be drowned. It is a terrible thing for adults, for Christians, to blaspheme, to lie, and destroy others. So Paul is just telling Timothy, I've gone through a lot myself, and I know how to tell lies, how to do the wrong thing, but God has saved me. And now I know you are in ministry. I've been transformed to serve, and my service includes coaching you that you may do the right thing, that you may commit your entire life to the Lord. Do you know this Lord as your Savior? Oh, he can transform you also. If only you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Save me. If that is your prayer, we'll be glad to help you. But if you know him, like Paul, can you also say to him, I'm transformed to serve. Lord, empower me to live my purpose. May this be your story. May this be your heritage. In Jesus' name, consider it done. If you choose to pray with him, to pray to him, he will bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Degbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyle Filling Station. Our Amasamai campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamai Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.